Shameless Media. This episode of the Shameless Book Club is brought to you by Bailey's, inspiring indulgence through me time moments. Hello and welcome to the Shameless Book Club. This month, we read Lisa Jewell's latest psychological thriller, None of This is True. The book follows Alex Summer, a podcaster who meets the meek and mysterious Josie Fair on the night of both of their 45th birthdays. A few days later, they meet again, and Josie convinces Alex that Josie's story is worth telling on her podcast. Alex discovers a number of disturbing facts about Josie's life as her investigation progresses. From meeting Josie's husband when she was 13 and he was 40, to the Fair family's unsettling reputation. And as Alex grows increasingly suspicious of Josie's version of reality, Josie begins to insert herself into Alex's life, fueled by her growing obsession. Then Josie disappears, and Alex becomes the centre of her own true crime podcast. Wow! <laughs> spooky, spooky, spooky. And today I am joined by researcher and host of Stranger Than Fiction, Eilish Gilligan. Hello, Eilish. Hi! And we are also joined by Shameless Media's co-founder, Zara McDonald. Hi! Hi! How are we? How are we feeling about this one? Good. Lots of thoughts. Good, yes. So many thoughts. So many thoughts. Well, as always, guys, we are kicking off this conversation with a bit of an author deep dive of Lisa Jewell. Zara McDonald, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, so I mean, Lisa Jewell is an author who has sold 10 million copies worldwide oh. for her books. She's written, I, ca- I saw 21 or 22 floating around the internet. Yes, I was confused too, so I went and counted. I think it's 22. Oh, like I love that. I was, gonna, <laughs> I was just going to say upwards of 20, <laughs> yeah. which is an absurd amount of books to have written over her career, but also just an absurd amount of copies of books. I yeah. think one thing that a lot of people may not realize is how how hard it is to sell thousands if mm. not millions of copies of books like so few people do it and so when i saw that stat when we decided to pick none of this is true as our book club pick for this month i was like how have i never heard of lisa jewel like mm. i felt like a dill yeah mm. had you heard of lisa before eilish never never i think she's one of those authors who's really found her niche in this genre and if you're not like uh, thriller head. Yeah. Like, thriller head sounds super hardcore. I love that. <laughs> well, I actually read an interview with Lisa about what made her gravitate towards writing thrillers. She told Publishers Weekly, I love to write thrillers about creeps and coercive controllers and about letting the wrong person in. You can literally wake up one morning, meet someone and let them into your life and that can be enough to destroy everything. You know, when I actually heard that quote just then, I was like, that's not true though. We don't all have people in our lives like Josie who just come in and destroy everything. But then as I'm speaking, I'm remembering the fact that I actually read an interview with Lisa Jewell about how when she was in the 90s, her first marriage, I don't know if you guys stumbled on this, she was in an emotionally abusive marriage. Oh, no. I know, and I I wonder if that quote and this sort of, you know, real interest in meeting people who can come into your life and destroy your life has something to do with these two things, like being in some way linked. Yeah, like maybe Mm. her personal experience has framed the way she sees 
people or the way characters come into people's lives because she did say that the event that inspired the plot of this book was she saw a man sitting in a window Mm. just like doing nothing but she was like there's more to this guy and like he's hiding something and that's what sparked it all. I'm obsessed with that. I'm also kind of obsessed with the story that she tells of why she got into writing. Mm. I don't know if you guys saw or read the interview she did with Shonda Land. Yes. Yeah and she said I found myself having this conversation with a friend where I embarrassedly told her that I was thinking I'd like to write a novel. She said I've had so many people tell me they want to write a novel. Just do it. Don't say you're going to do it. Just do it. In fact, write three chapters. And if you do that, I'll take you out to dinner to your favorite restaurant. We shook hands. I wrote three chapters and she took me out to my favorite restaurant. But she also made me send those three chapters out to a load of literary agents. And she made me keep writing by demanding more and more chapters. So it didn't just end with the bet. She was there for the full duration of that first novel. I don't know. I just really loved that story because I was like, so many of us need that person in our corner. Totally. To push us along and get us to to do the thing we always say we're going to do. Yeah. I loved that interview with Shondaland. Lisa had a really interesting quote about the process of writing this particular book. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was fascinating. So the quote is, I had no idea when I started writing the book what Josie was going to unveil. I didn't know what her story was going to be. I just knew that I was going to have to come to my computer every day and write a chapter or write a thousand words and that was going to move the plot along and that was going to help me find out more about what it was that Josie really wanted to talk to Alex about because the initial moment of connection is Josie basically saying to Alex, I need to talk to you about my life. I didn't know what Josie's life was. I just knew that she had this husband, a bit older than her, sitting by the window staring at his laptop and a kid in a room gaming. I was obsessed with that quote because I can't believe that she just sat down and basically free fell into this narrative not knowing where it was going to go. Apparently this is the method for all of her books. She never has a plan. She just starts writing and then at about halfway through she's like, hmm, how should I form this fully? She told Graham Norton that with this book she started writing and then as per she just hit halfway and then decided to go back and insert the Netflix doco thing Mm. to kind of yeah pull it all together. I found that really interesting. I just hear stories like this and I always think to myself, wow, I was really not built to be Hmm. a novelist because you hear their skill set and it's like, but I'm too organized for that. And I'm also too much of a control freak. Like I can't let the story just tell itself. I need to know where the story is going. Mm. I mean, I probably have some thoughts on, you know, that method and the fact that I think you can actually tell through this book. Mm. Uh, And I don't know if now is the right time to bring this book up. I mean, I know these book club episodes rarely have any structure. But when I saw that quote, and maybe I will get to this later, I thought, yeah, I actually, I think you can tell in the same way perhaps with Gossip Girl, you know, when they said it was Dan Humphrey. And then you were like, I think you guys decided that at the 11th hour. There are going to be people coming to us saying, why did you tell us it was Dan? (laughs) So I've done this before on Shameless, but I do think the statute of limitations on spoilers like that is like five to ten years oh yeah and then beyond that point i'm so sorry i know you mentioned that we are always very random with the structure of these episodes so i'm just going to jump straight into our next section is that okay with everyone yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're leaving this yeah. let's talk about characters let's do a bit of a character breakdown obviously this novel centers around two main players josie and alex let's start with alex eilish what did you make of her alex was really interesting i actually made a note here to say that Just off the bat, I thought that having two 45-year-old women as the main characters of this story is really complex, layered, intricate, unlikable, likable, relatable, unrelatable Mm. people. I think so many women in 
culture are kind of reduced down to like wife or mother, especially after they turn 40. And I think that having two over 40 women at the forefront of this story who are very complicated was mm. really great. So yeah. I loved Alex for that in particular. Yeah, complicated and had control. Yeah. Whether it was good or bad. Yeah, well, they were the captains of their own lives, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't really like Alex that much. I don't know. I had down, is that mean? <laughs> I think because it's like she's not obviously an unlikable character. And I think my struggle with this book, and I actually did really, really love reading it, but my overriding struggle with a thriller like this, because I don't read thrillers a lot, is how much should I expect things to be realistic? Mm. Like, I know the plot won't be realistic, but should the characters be realistic? Or in a thriller is the idea that everything is a little bit fantastical, and that's sort of what I've been grappling Mm. with. But with Alex... I felt like her obsession with her career at the expense of everything else was like the most unrelatable thing I've ever read. I mean, I wanted to read you two passages, if you'll allow me, so I can really push this point. On page 115, it reads like this. Alex sits next to Nathan in the back of an Uber that evening on their way to a friend's birthday dinner. She wants to talk to him about Josie, but she also doesn't want his opinion to cloud her view of how to handle things. Her project feels simultaneously thrilling and terrifying. She opened a physical and metaphorical door to this woman, a pure stranger she has brought into her home and made her feel that she is somewhat party to Alex's inner life. She takes full responsibility for the decisions she has made to this point and now she needs to decide if she is prepared to take full responsibility for anything untoward that may happen to her or her family as a result. If she discusses this with Nathan, she knows he will say, bin it, tell her it's off, get rid. And then if she ignores him and this project turns out to be a disaster, he will tell her he told her. He will tell her she was wrong and he was right. And Alex does not want to make a professional or personal decisions based on what her husband will think if she makes a mistake. Because if she is right and he is wrong, this podcast could be the making of Alex's professional career. Yeah. I know that was a bit of a long thing, but I was like, so in your gut, you know, this woman's a bit nuts. Yeah. Mm. And you don't want to tell your husband that. And you have to take full responsibility for anything untoward happening to your family. And spoiler alert, Nathan died. (laughs) But it could be the making of your career. Like, sorry. Mm. The next passage, sorry, one really quick on 220, (laughs) because this one really is a stronger example for mine. Because I was like, what is wrong with her of all the people in this book yeah. to be like what is wrong with her i love how alex is the person you're earning in yeah it's true i have more anger for alex than i do josie there's something wow. wrong with that the book reads alex's mouth has turned dry this is it this is the line she had put metaphorically inside her relationship with josie from day one and each day they've been stepping a little closer and a little closer and right now they are touching it with their outstretched toes and once that line has been breached alex no longer has any idea how she will regain control of the situation she knows with a sickening certainty that she has to have josie gone from her house by saturday but she also knows with a sickening certainty that josie is currently controlling her and that making her leave the house before she's ready to do so would spell the end of the podcast i'm sorry this woman has moved in with you you can kick her out she's like so you've got a super bed she's living with your children and you're like oh but the podcast could be over i don't believe anyone cares that much about their career Mm. that you let a stranger live with you and be a danger to your kids yeah so the first quote you read was from the very top of the book and then the last one you read was from the end End. of the book so throughout the entirety of the book she has this like niggling feeling she's foreshadowing essentially Mm. the doom and gloom that's going to happen to her 
her life. I found that annoying as well. Like she was very well aware of the danger Josie could bring into their lives, but was still like, let's do it for the plot. Yeah. Let's, let's roll. I think also that kind of speaks to what I think Lisa was trying to get at with Josie's manipulation mm. and like how she was this very manipulative person just because she kind of just straight out asked for what she wanted. Like she yeah. wanted to stay longer. So she was like, oh, you have a sofa bed. So can, can I stay I? there? Like, I? <laughs> I, yeah, I get why you maybe find Alex frustrating, but I do think the character of Alex, you need a character like that to play the perfect victim. Totally. Yeah. I need to know. I have a question for you guys. If you have someone like <laughs> Josie, maybe not even like Josie, someone staying at your house past their welcome, <laughs> are you able to kick them out? Yes. Would you be able to? It depends on who it is. I would be able to kick them out. Yeah, I wouldn't too. feel good about it, but I would be able to. I think I would struggle, but, <laughs> but then I would come to the people in my lives like you guys and talk through strategy. Yeah, <laughs> How that's do I true. I would kick them you out. You would help me. Three. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just didn't believe that she was unable to kick this person out of her home. Yeah, mm. but I did, as I was reading the character of Alex, feel nothing really about her. She just felt right. like a vessel to tell the story of Josie and how manipulative Josie was, as you were saying, Eilish. Let's talk about Josie. What did we think of Josie? I loved the ride that Lisa took us on with Josie. Mm. I thought that the development of her character was really, really good. Like at first, in the first chapter where she's sitting at this fancy pub where she hasn't been before and she feels really out of place and it feels like it's a bit posh for her, I was like relatable like <laughs> I've been there I know that feeling like looking at somebody else who's the same age as you and being like why is her life so sparkly and beautiful and mine so I feel so out of place here but as the book went on I loved the way that Josie's character kind of unfurled before us I thought it was really strong and I think the best representation of that unfurling was the way that she started stealing little things from Alex's house I loved the passage where she first stole the Nespresso pod. And I'm going to read it if that's okay. Please. Her hand goes to the inside pocket of her handbag where she touches the smooth skin of the Nespresso pod she'd taken when Alex wasn't looking. There was a huge jar of them on the shelf behind the recording desk, all different colours, like oversized gemstones. She doesn't have a Nespresso machine at home, but she wanted to own a little bit of Alex's glamour, tuck it into a drawer in her shabby flat, know it was there. I love that passage so much because it goes from taking one Nespresso pod to literally taking Alex's husband yeah. from the world. Like, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. <laughs> escalates for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, I actually didn't have a heap of notes on Josie. I mean, I thought her character development was incredible. She's obviously super weird and super creepy and I definitely found myself confused by her throughout mm -hmm. the entire time like I didn't know what to make of her and so in many ways as a plot point her character was the strongest part of this book because I didn't understand her I was desperate to try and work it out so she was almost like a plot device rather than a character to me if that yeah. makes any sense at all yeah no I felt the same she was my favorite in like a character sense not a human yeah no, it's all right. <laughs> you get me we get it. yeah and even as you were saying Eilish how she started slowly stealing stuff before that even like the way she spoke or the shortness the briefness of her sentences from the very mm. beginning was like what are you hiding yeah she yeah. It just felt like so much was unsaid, which I found really alluring. I still want to know how she knew Alex was going to be at that restaurant in that first 
thing. I don't think she knew. That was by chance. Was, was that not by chance? I feel like it wasn't though, because she was like made it really clear mm. that they would never normally go to a restaurant like this. But I think that was because she was reaching for something a little bit more glamorous than her regular life like I think that was like her whole mo she was just like she'd hit a point and she had snapped and she went yeah there's just some part of me that's like and I think I mean I want to get to this later as well but I keep saying that so I might as well just get to this now but (laughs) the whole title of the book was one of the biggest strengths for me none of this is true yeah because at every point I'm like okay so what is true yeah like is it actually by chance it made me question everything all the time Mm. or it's like is there a world where she knew that that night something was going to happen and that this was going to kick off. Yeah. Mm. I was unsure the whole time. It was like I was second-guessing myself at every point. Though the thing I was most sure about, I think, was Josie's obsession with Alex. That felt pretty real. Like everyone from all sides was seeing how intense it was. And I felt like that was painted really well by Lisa. And I haven't read anything like it. I saw on Reddit someone comparing this book to the movie A Simple Favour with Blake Lively oh, and Anna Kendrick. I in haven't terms seen of that, that movie. Oh no, I might have just spoiled things. That's okay. <laughs> Lots of spoilers in this episode. It's more so, I think it's kind of a running theme of that movie though, the female obsession of like somebody who maybe is more of a conventionally successful, like white picket fence married kind of woman and then the other woman being like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. Yeah, like yeah. a little on the other and like exactly. craving that in their own life. Yeah, yeah that's a really good point. And I, it's rarely done well. Yeah, no, I think that was done really, really well. And I believed that Josie was obsessed. As you say, yeah. I, I believe that she wanted little parts of her life. I believe that someone like her might actually steal little things to feel like she has... I don't know, some part of it all. Yeah. That was all believable. Guys, we're going to talk about strengths and weaknesses because a lot of the characters actually, for me anyway, come under strengths and weaknesses chat anyway. I agree because they weren't that important. (laughs) (laughs) Before we do that, though, let's hear a word from today's sponsor. Mish, as our business grows, we do become increasingly busy, which means it can be a little tricky to pause and find moments for me time. But we really love me time, so we're committed to finding the little windows when they arise. We absolutely are fans of me time, which is why we are so excited about today's sponsor, Bailey's. Our mates at Bailey's are here to remind us to have some me time and treat ourselves. Bailey's has just released their new limited edition tiramisu flavoured liqueur, and I am here for it. I've been loving it cold over ice or if I'm feeling a little more fancy served as a martini. That tiramisu Baileys over ice sounds like the perfect treat leading into the warmer months. Baileys have been the leaders in indulgence for a long time so it's no surprise that they have been able to deliver another spectacular liqueur. Yeah this has the same rich creamy texture and smooth taste we've come to know and love from Baileys but with notes of chocolate, coffee, vanilla and subtle hints of cinnamon through it. Yum. If you're over 18 and looking for an indulgent treat then head online or in store to your liquor retailer and shop Bailey's. Remember to drink responsibly. Thank you so much to Bailey's for making this episode of the Shameless Book Club possible. Okay, Zara, I feel like you've got stuff to say. Would you like to give me a strength or a weakness first? I think we'd start with strength. Okay. Um, I mean, I think any book you would recommend to someone as a book that could help you get back into reading is like a very high compliment for a novel. And for me, if I was to say anything about this book, I would say if you're not into reading or you're in a rut, read Mm. this because you'll Mm. fly through it. And I think there's something really nice. You feel very like productive and fulfilled when you fly through a book really fast. Totally. I mean, I think I read 70% of this book on like a two and a half hour flight. I just 
I, it felt like... Whoa, zoomed through I just it. flew. Did you guys as well? I think Eilish and I both listened to this. How did you find that experience, Eilish? I loved it. I couldn't stop listening. And I agree with you. I was like, I think this is a strength of the book as a whole. When I was listening to it, I did not want to stop. I had my headphones yeah. on for like the whole day, vacuuming, whatever. I was obsessed. I needed to know what was going to happen. And the production of the audio book in particular was really, really strong. It really embraced the idea of the podcast and the Netflix yeah. show and all of the different actors were so strong and it was just great. Can I ask a question? Because this yeah. might sound quite dumb because I listen to audio books, but I listen to them for nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So with fiction, is there ever like music? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, there <laughs> to is. To keep something like kind of suspenseful. Yeah. And yeah. to show Seriously. that like this is the, the Netflix thing now and like the podcast, like it just really tight. It was so real. Because it's a complicated structure to get across in audio. Yeah, and there were different voice actors and stuff playing oh the different God. roles. It was so, so good. I heard Eilish recommend this, saying it was the most captivating thing ever, and I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this as well. And then I was talking to Sahani about this, our content coordinator, and we were both saying that we usually, when we're listening to audiobooks, have to read along as well at certain points so that we're fully engaged. Mm. And I was like, oh, I didn't do that with this book at all, which is really rare for me. I was engrossed the entire time just listening. Yeah, like is... you didn't need to feel tethered to the writing. Yeah, like the exactly. How interesting. It also meant, though, that I didn't take down any notes about passages, but I don't think that's a reflection of the quality of the book. I was just so in it. I think that's, like, the big thing about this book is, like, the big strength for me, and I do have some things that kind of frustrated me a lot. Mm. I have quite a few dot points. But the big strength, the overriding strength, is that you're very in this book when you're reading it. And I don't know if you can ask for much more. Mm. If you don't mind me going to a weakness. (laughs) Please do. Please do. Um... There were some things where I think the realism play kept coming back for me. And as I said to you guys at the start, I know that might be a me thing as well, because I know a book like this is not meant to be the most realistic thing in the world. But on page 48, when you guys will think this is like such an embarrassing observation, but, you know, we work in podcasting, right? (laughs) Yeah. So it is interesting (laughs) hearing somebody else try and create a podcast. And Alex was talking to Josie about, you know, committing to do this from the start. And this is what she says. I've been thinking a lot about your idea. And at first I wasn't sure. You've listened to my podcasts, so you know the format. They are fully fledged stories with a beginning, middle and end, which means that even before I start recording, I know what the format will be. I've done it 20, 30 times and I know what I'm doing. I know how to get the story onto tape and how to edit it to make it gripping for the listener. But this would be very different. I have no idea how your story is going to end, but you're promising me it will be worth following. And so I'm already kind of hooked. I want to know too. I was like, I don't think there's anyone who works in this industry who's committing to make a podcast of a story you don't know. Yeah. Like the inefficiency, sorry, I know <laughs> the inefficiency of going about it that way, of potentially wasting your time, of not structuring the recordings in a way where it's actually going to be gripping. I was like, there's no way a podcast starts like this. I was thinking this as well. I was like, how much time does Alex have? Does she not have to do her other shows and other interviews as yeah. well? Because mm. this is eating into every hour of your life going to visit Josie's family. It's just like a lot. And, and you, for what? And you don't have an arc. Yeah. You don't have a story arc and anyone who tells stories or works in content knows you need an arc from the start. Yeah. Mm. She got lucky though because the story was great in the end. (laughs) Because it's a fake book. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Eilish? I had a few strengths and weaknesses. I flew through the book just like you did. I did think a pretty big weakness or oversight for me was that I just could not buy that a 13 to 16 year old girl was like so evil, so conniving Mm, and so manipulative that we should kind of dismiss the fact that a 40 year old was pursuing her. 
completely yeah. agree. And you the know? fact that we were made to feel kind of sorry for Walter in the end. I was yeah. like, hang on a minute. I hate this guy. Yeah. And it doesn't, the, the way up doesn't make any sense. I didn't think that that was an example of like a well thought out, complicated character. I thought yeah. Josie was a really well thought out, complicated character. But I thought that Walter, by the end, it felt like we were supposed to feel sorry for him and think that he was a good father. And that just did not connect with me, unfortunately. Yeah, that didn't penetrate my thoughts on Walter. That didn't yeah. really alter the way I thought about him at all. I, it's so interesting. There is a passage on 325 that I took a photo of where it was Pat as well, the mum, mm. who I also think we can probably talk about interchangeably in this context because I was like, what kind of mother mm. is still sort of like mad at the daughter for yeah. running away with their partner? So Pat said to Alex, groom her. You mean manipulate her into a relationship with him? I think she saw him. She wanted him. She got him. She didn't care who she hurt. I read that and it was incredibly jarring to me because I was like, oh, this is like very ill-explored for yeah. mine about something so deeply complicated as grooming and so important for us to be having these conversations in the right way. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was a little irresponsible, if I'm honest. Ah, yeah, me too. Yeah, like it was supposed to be framed as Pat hates her daughter so much that she's willing to blame Walter's grooming on the kid. Yeah. And it, made, it doesn't actually but make any I'm sense. Like, again, I'm like, am I missing the point of a thriller? That none of it's meant to be real. And, and with a thriller, you are meant to believe that a character is otherworldly and inhumane and like driven by things that actually don't exist in this world. Like, is that what I'm meant to believe? That this is actually a fantastical world rather than a real one? I think that's why I keep mentioning this because it's like mm. I'm really confused in my own mind. Like, I get what you're saying, but it's not like a fantasy. Like, yeah. there weren't other elements that made it seem she like wasn't it like was giving, doing spells. Yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah what do you make of the final chapter where Josie was like oh and essentially <laughs> essentially it just really fucking confused me because she said the exact opposite of the way the chapter before that laid it out that like essentially Josie was the villain I have so many thoughts about the end of this book a side weakness for me actually was the last third of the book Ooh. I felt like it lost a little bit of that momentum for me personally mm -hmm. and I think that what Zara was saying about like the realism argument came into play for me a little bit there I was like okay I don't know how much of this I can really buy into yeah and for how much longer I thought that Lisa's view on how the ending played out was really interesting in that same interview with Shondaland she said some people could read the ending to be ambiguous or open. A lot of people have read it as I intended it to be, not ambiguous or open, which is Josie finally confronting the truth in her head of what actually happened. This, I was so shook by the fact that she was like telling us exactly what the ending meant with no ambiguity at all. She was like, yeah, Josie was right. This no. is what but is, is that what she means or does she mean no that's the truth that Josie believed. Like, is None that- None of this is true. <laughs> I understand she's saying it's not ambiguous, but is she saying it's not ambiguous, that is what Josie convinced herself to believe? Or is she saying the ending is not ambiguous? That was how the whole thing happened. No, I think she genuinely is saying that is exactly how it happened. Lisa is wrong. No, I, yeah, I hard disagree on that. It's no, no, way. no. I thought the final chapter brought it home for me 
when I read it, I assumed that Josie was tricking herself into her own version of reality. Yeah. I didn't, I hadn't read this Lisa opinion yet. And I'm going to pretend like I haven't because <laughs> that, that really throws the whole experience for me. If Josie yeah. is the one that's true, I don't understand. I don't understand the book as much. I think the reason that I actually mentioned that Gossip Girl thing at the start yeah. is if the ending is as you're saying it is and Lisa is saying it is, which is actually no, Roxy killed Brooke and Josie's just being a protective mother and all of these kinds of things. I'm like, this doesn't really align with the rest of the plot. Yeah. Like, I feel like if I was to go back and read the book with that in mind, Mm. I'm not sure the book would line up very clearly because I'm still sort of confused. If that's the case, right, let's hypothesize. If that was the case that Roxy killed Brooke and Walter and Josie kind of cleaned up the body, I'm a bit confused as to why Josie then killed Walter and that Aaron was, like, hitting her. Like, I'm... Really genuinely confused about that. Yeah. I, like, mad respect to Lisa. Seriously, (laughs) mad respect. But I don't like it when authors tell me how to interpret something. Oh. Because then it's like, oh, well, obviously you get the final say because you wrote the book. (laughs) I prefer it my way. (laughs) I guess they did the work. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. But, like, do you see what I mean? I'm like, and I I think when I also said at the top of this episode, it it does read like a book where she didn't know where it was going. Yeah. Yeah. That's the ending. The ending is messy. I will say this one last thing. If we think about the title, None of This is True, if we think about Josie saying none of this is true, all of the other people in her life are projecting this narrative that Josie is so evil. If Josie's telling us that none of this is true, then that means that the ending is correct from but, Josie's perspective. But why did Josie kill her husband? Because she... <laughs> Self-protection. Oh, if she's saying that Walter is abusive. Oh, okay, so if... Yeah, right. So if we're believing the ending, then we're believing everything she said up until this point. Because... That's the only way it makes sense. At the end of the day, Walter groomed her when she yeah. was a teenager. So I don't know. I agree maybe with you. Maybe that is the most believable then. Maybe. Okay, maybe by none of this Wait, is Wait, tr- why did she kill Nathan? <laughs> she didn't mean to. She said. Slip, it was she an accident. Accidents. Oh, I think, sitting well. I think by agreeing that none of this is true, it also means that everything is true in that even though it's true from Josie's perspective, she's not the arbiter of the truth. Yeah. Who Guys, knows, this man? is such a mind part. It's actually <laughs> so I confusing. I had it written down that even though I believe, even though it is true that I believe the ending was messy and that you could tell that she kind of just decided at the end what it was, she wrote three different epilogues. Yeah. yeah. She wrote three different ones until one stuck, which I, I also read. find an interesting fact here and very relevant in what we're saying. I mean, I found the ending kind of strong because I didn't understand what was going on and I was confused. And I think this conversation we're having <laughs> is an interesting one. And yeah. that's why I love books. So I think that's like a, a strong thing. Totally. Yeah, I agree. I loved the ending and I rarely like an ambiguous ending. But I think that because of the concept of the whole book, that was the ending that made the most sense to me, which was why I was like, yes, slay the ending. Because up until that point, closer to the end, what you were saying, Eilish, about it kind of dragging, mm. I felt a little similar in that when we were talking about the aftermath of Nathan's death, mm. I was kind of like, like, wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, oh, yeah, lockdown happened. And then oh, it's just kind of like, sorry. Oh. I know we're going backwards a little bit here as well. Sorry. But like when Nathan was missing and also Nathan, like a bit of a nothing character. For yeah. Mine, but when he was missing, I didn't feel like she was sad enough. I didn't. 
She went to a school assembly. She went to a a primary school assembly when her husband is missing, thought to be murdered. Yeah. I cannot, if my dad was murdered and my mum went to my local primary school's assembly and sat in the crowd, like that's an odd thing to do. Yeah, you're right. But like, to give her a little credit, maybe she was just dealing with a lot of emotions, didn't know how to express it. And so (laughs) grandma definitely didn't seem upset enough either. Yeah, I mean, my thing with things like that is that you never know how you're going to act unless you're actually in that situation. So I know that <laughs> you're like, oh, no, am I that person? No, 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 no. I know that excuses a lot of behaviour, but I also think that sometimes when you're, like, dealing with something so terrible, maybe you do just need to go to your kid's school assembly or whatever, Yeah, you know? Like, we've never been there. You mentioned the grandma, Pat. Sorry to completely Oh, that's pivot. the other grandma. I was oh, talking the about other um, uh, Alex's mum. But, yeah, bring Pat back in. <laughs> I, I know her name. We don't even know Alex's mum's name, do we? I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, don't I also remember. don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I found it kind of annoying as well. Loved the book, actually, just to preface. I found it kind of annoying that at the end, Pat was painted to be this, like, loving grandma that was, like, there for Erin and Roxy. Like, I know it was under really tough circumstances that a lot had happened. But I was like, why is she coming in saving the day and, like, the kids are staying with her and it's all Jean out? When she was actually kind of a terrible mother. A hundred percent. I also want to know, you guys mentioned before the whole, like, yeah, lockdown happened and then she sold the Netflix special and stuff Mm. like that. How do you feel about that as a plot point or even just as a sort of indication of what Alex his character is like to sell this as a Netflix special. Was she struggling financially? That's Did I make that said. up? Yeah. Yeah. I thought of you when they brought in lockdown because I remember you once saying that you don't like it when books mention I lockdown. I hate yeah. when books mention lockdown. I thought it worked here though. I yeah. I didn't I didn't get that same visceral annoyance. Yeah. I was like, oh, I, not again, but I wasn't really annoyed. I didn't think it didn't. I was going to like triple negative that. It was, <laughs> let me just say it was fine. It was fine. I agree. It was fine. The Netflix thing though, I think was kind of strong because I think this is a woman who kind of sold her whole life throughout this whole book for her career and for her podcast. And in many ways for like some weird level of fame. So I'm yeah. like, you would sell your husband's yeah. murder mm. to get some money. Totally. I and I would that. too. Well, that's the other thing. <laughs> God, you you at this point would sell anything from AI, Netflix specials for murder. Oh, that's give so, me the money. Give her the money. So in that, I think it kind of worked. And also, I do have to say, if my husband was murdered and I was like not making any money, I guess maybe why not turn lemons into lemonade? <laughs> exactly. I also think it plays out well with Alex's character, the way that she's kind of been work obsessed throughout the entire book. I mean, it was all leading to this point of her selling this big part of her personal life, a chunk of herself, to Netflix. Like, yeah. Yeah. that checks out to me. Yeah, 100%. I wonder if Netflix would make a show out of this, because they should. Yeah. It would be a great call. It, it would be a really cool sort of Netflix original, wouldn't it? Yeah. Where it was like, it'd be too meta, though. And I think the struggle that I'm having talking about this book is how meta so much of it is and how mm, confused I am most that is of the true. time. I'm so confused. No, none of this is true. <laughs> true guys it's time for ratings yeah my favorite part of the episode eilish out of five what would you rate this book i'm gonna give it a three and a half Ooh, Ooh, i thought you were gonna go higher no i think unfortunately i only had a few weaknesses but they were pretty strong ones for me but i will say that i read this book so quickly and i think that is a really really special thing 
Good sign. Zara, rating? I'm going to give it a four. Lovely. I mean, so many plot holes. <laughs> but I think it's what I needed in a book at the time that I read it. I needed mm. something to, to feel completely immersed in. I needed something to distract me. I didn't need a book that was going to change the world. You know, sometimes yeah. you're seeking a book that's like, oh, what am I learning about the world? This, I just, I just wanted a story and I got a really good story. So I will give it four stars. I was the same in that I was just wanting a distraction and this book did the job. So I'm going to give it 4.5. Whoa! Because the negatives that I've discussed in this episode, I actually didn't pick up on when I was reading. Right. Which tends to be the case. I was like the whole time, this is a fucking brilliant book. Yeah. I was like so <laughs> in it when I was listening. We planted too many seeds now. <laughs> no, it was, it's, it's a fabulous thriller yeah it really is for people that aren't into thrillers which is us yeah guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of the shameless book club next month we are reading good material by new york times best-selling author and i'd say friend of the show dolly Alderton. absolutely (laughs) uh zara could you please read us a snippet from the blurb (laughs) i was like zara eilish or you could split it if you want do you want to read some of it eilish (laughs) sure i'll read the first little bit off you go (laughs) Every relationship has one beginning. This one has two endings. Andy loves Jen. Jen loved Andy, and he can't work out why she stopped. Set adrift on the sea of heartbreak at a time when everything he thought he knew about women and flat sharing and his friendships has transformed beyond recognition. Andy clings to the idea of solving the puzzle of their broken relationship. Because if he can answer (laughs) that, then maybe Jen can find her way back to him. And he still has a lot to learn, not least his ex-girlfriend's side of the story. I um, have read this book. Yes. No spoilers on how you feel. Save it for the episode. I will save it for the episode. The only thing I will say is read this book. Read Read this book. book. I can't wait. I'm so excited, guys. In the meantime, come chat to us on Instagram and on TikTok at The Shameless Book Club. See you later. Bye. 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 This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.